Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Acts 1. Who doesn't love a good sequel? Well, the problem with that question is not all sequels are good. I mean, have you ever had a a movie that you really liked and, oh, they're making a sequel and it's so bad you don't even like the first one anymore? Yeah, that's a problem. We will not encounter that problem with the book of Acts, which in some ways you could say is a sequel, not just to the Gospels, but specifically to the Gospel of Luke. So we're reaching today a big turning point in our journey through the New Testament, we've now read the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, which tell an amazing story all on their own of the coming of Christ into the world, his life and ministry, all of them culminating with his death and resurrection. What amazing truth from God's word. But we do ask the question then, well, what comes next? Jesus died and rose again and ascended. Well, then what? Well, the book of Acts is going to help us understand that question in a couple senses. One, just in the sense of history. What happened next? What happened after Jesus ascended and went back to the Father? And second, it's going to give us some instruction that should really guide our thoughts uh, in the age we are living in. And we're going to see that as we start in Acts chapter 1. And there's kind of three main parts of this passage. And the first is really an introduction to the book. Let me read it for us, starting in verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So there we see, uh, again, this is a book that is written to someone with the name Theophilus. And you you see, kind of like the beginning of Luke, this is clearly researched, this is thought out, this is presented as factual. Uh, And even notice it talks about many proofs, relying on the proof of the resurrection and his appearances. So even just from these first three verses, one of the things we should take away is a heightened trust in the word of God. We hold in our hands uh, words that are true. I mean, first and foremost, at a divine level, they, they are inspired. They are breathed out by God. But even here we see at a human level that these were put together well. This is fact. This is not fiction. This is not legend. This is not myth. This is what happened. And that's where we have to be honest with how we deal with the Bible. We either need to accept it um, as the word of God and as the, the truth that it is, or we, we should honestly throw the whole thing away. That The people that try to take some half measure of, well, it's myth, but we can uh, learn from it. Well, no, if it's, if it's not true, then it's a lie. It's not just a myth because it, it is not presented as a myth. It is presented as truth and historical fact. 
Um, the next section that we get into uh, really is what I want us to focus mostly on in our reading today. It's the final interaction we see here between Jesus and the disciples. And it sets up some things, again, that still affect us. Uh, first, we see Jesus telling his disciples about the coming of the Holy Spirit and how they will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, something I think we will then see the fulfillment of in Acts chapter 2. But then we see them coming together and the disciples ask a question, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So a couple things here. Uh, first, this should set our expectation in it in it, I think, did for the disciples. And a lot of the Jewish people, they would have had as their expectation, the Messiah is going to come and he will set up his kingdom and he will reign. I don't think there was an understanding that there was going to be a first coming of the Messiah and then a second coming with a gap in the middle. And Jesus has already taught these things to his disciples, making it clear he was going away, but that he would return. We see him speaking of his return in all four of the gospels. Um, so there is going to be a gap. And here's the thing. I believe you and I are still in that gap. The kingdom of Christ has not yet come in its fullness. There are ways the kingdom of God advances in the world, I would argue, through the church. Uh, but Christ is not here reigning as king. And we look forward to a day when he will return and he will set up a literal kingdom in this world world. So first, this sets our expectation. But second, I believe this gives to the apostles and through them to the church, well, what in the world are we supposed to do between those two comings of Christ? Well, we are to be his witnesses. And the Holy Spirit came not just for the apostles, but now for all who believe. And it is to empower us to be those witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And this matches up with what we've seen in the gospels, whether the last or a couple chapters ago in John 20, where Jesus is saying, I am sending you just as I have been sent. And we think of probably the most famous passage about this, Matthew 28 which describes what we call the Great Commission, to make disciples of all nations. These are all connected. I don't think that the Great Commission to make disciples is something that's divorced from this call to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, even as we think about that mission, there's a couple things that stand out to me. One is praising God for how much progress has been made in that mission. I mean, here we are starting with what we'll see as a group of about 120 people in Jerusalem, in Israel, and they are given this task to be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And here I am sitting in Boise, Idaho, almost 2000 years later. Um, and I've also done ministry in Southern California. Uh, and if you think about, okay, what's the ends of the earth from Jerusalem? Well, unless you're going to find an island in the Pacific Ocean, 
Idaho and Southern California are just about as ends of the earth as you can get. Uh, The the gospel has made so much progress. God, through the church, has uh, spread the gospel all over the world. And so we should take a moment and praise God for that. We should praise God for how the gospel has been passed down to us. We are the fruit of people being faithful witnesses to Christ. But the other thing we should understand is there is still a lot of work to be done. Uh, The Great Commission is not finished. Uh, Just on one hand, there are still billions, yes, that's billions with a B, of unreached people in the world. People who live in a culture where there is little to no Christian influence. These people would not know Christ. They would not know the gospel. Uh, So there's a lot of work to do there. But also, many of us, if we just look right around us, there are many people who do not know the gospel, who no one has talked to them about Jesus Christ. Uh, And I've even heard churches kind of use this as a paradigm for themselves. Hey, as a church, we want to think through our Jerusalem, our immediate context, our uh, Judea and Samaria, maybe a little broader than that. And then how can we be involved in the ends of the earth? And I think there's uh, some good that can come from that. And every church and every Christian should think of that. Hey, there's people around me that I need to witness to, but also I should concern myself with the ends of the earth. So today, I want you, as you think through, okay, how does this apply to me now? Well, the always, and I, even in my own notes, I said always-ish, because this is an always principle, I would say, for those between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ. The always principle is we are to testify, we are to bear witness of Jesus Christ. And so now, I want you to think about your immediate context. Who do you know that you need to bear witness of Jesus Christ? Too. And there might be some names you already know, but also you should think about, well, what about bearing witness to the people I, I don't know or the people I'm going to meet today? That should be on our hearts. We should be seeking to do what Christ has told us in that. Uh, the Another thing I would encourage you to think about is missions and to spend some time today thinking, praying about the ends of the earth. And, and maybe at some point, God's going to call some of you to go do ministry towards the end of the earth to, to groups today that are unreached and don't know Christ. But at the very least, I think everyone should be engaging that through prayer. Um, If you're a part of a local church, what missionaries do they support? Are you praying for them? Are you giving uh, either to missionaries or to your church so that they are able to support missionaries? That These are things that should be, I think, on your mind. And passages like this should remind us, hey, we're in that time between the first coming of Christ And the second coming of Christ, we've got work to do. I've got work to do personally. We've got work to do as a church, both in our local context and abroad and in other cultures and uh, to the ends of the earth. So let today be a renewed call to that. And there should be some encouraging reminders. Um, One is the presence of the Holy Spirit. This is not something that God has left us to do on our own own. We saw that a lot in John, but also uh, we should be encouraged at the power of prayer. And that's one thing I hope you see the fruit of in 
acts, you, you see what are they doing as they, then the third section of our passage, I, I would describe it as they're preparing while they're waiting. They've been told to wait for the Holy Spirit, but they're not sitting around doing nothing. They are devoting themselves to prayer and then they choose someone to replace Judas. And so again, a model for us, we don't need to choose a replacement for Judas, but we, we do need to devote ourselves to prayer. And that's something I think we will see then as a theme throughout the book of Acts, and we will see how God blesses and answers their prayers. So as we get started in the book of Acts, let us remember we are in that time between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ. We've got a mission. We've got work to do. So let's pray about that and let's act on that uh, today uh, as we seek to be faithful witnesses for Christ, uh, even to the end of the earth. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.